Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I say good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you today? Good. I'm so glad to see you. You look kind of, you look cute, you know? Um, welcome to Middle Church. If you're here for the very first time, I'm Jackie Lewis. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and sadly for you, I think I'm funny. Uh, raise your hand if it's your first time here. Yay. Welcome. Honey. <laughs> Thank you. Hope you come back and see us soon. If it's your first time online, we're also delighted that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. Appreciate you. Um, listen, there's a lot of amazing, amazing things going on as we continue our Linton journey um, and Women's History Month. Uh, today, we have uh, our wonderful Mira Salani joiners preaching. We're so excited about that. Next Sunday, there's a beautiful training for uh, those of us who want to be ushers. Where's Elise? Elise is going to stand up, Elise, just a little bit. Elise and Monique are going to be doing that. And if you'd like to come, I'll tell you what, I joined Middle Church before I got hired by Middle Church because of the ushers, because of the people at the door. It was Danita and some beautiful drag queen uh, inviting me in. And I was like, this is my home. So ushers, ushers are the first line of love. Ushers are the first line of love. So we could really use you uh, coming to that, so make sure you do. Um, and today, right after worship, there is a congregational meeting. If you're online, you just stay right where you are. Just get your coffee and stay right where you are. If you're here, we're gonna benedict, and then we're gonna talk about some amazing developments that have to do about, well, development. It has to do about the rebuilding of the church, a fundraising and a potential partnership that should delight you as much as it delights us. There was one more thing for the 19th. Just look at me and give me a word. Say a word. Art gallery. Art gallery. Why don't you come talk about it? We never get to hear from Elise. Hi, Elise. Hi. <laughs> Um, so also on the 19th at 3 o'clock, our young adults and our families are invited to join Mira and I. We're going to Prospect Park. The wonderful Sarah Brooke, who's a middle member and artist, yes, um, has an art installation there. So 3 o'clock, we're going to go. We're going to get to tour. We're going to get food. It's going to be beautiful. And we'd love to see you there. Thank you, Elise. Thank, Thank you, you for all you do. Okay, okay, there's so many more things that we can share um, I want to just say that these beautiful flowers are a gift from the family and friends of Achebe Betty Powell, who passed away February 21st. And we commemorated her beautiful life yesterday. It was really sad, but also really beautiful. So these flowers are here. Let me check in. Is there food downstairs? There's munchies, right? Or No. So therefore, it's really important that I check in with my team. Okay. <laughs> No food for you. Um, so, just, oh, oh. It's gonna be I. Thank you. Okay. It's good to have a little comedy in the midst of all the crazy, right, y'all? All the crap that's going on for our trans family. I just pray special prayers for any of our non-binary and trans friends that somehow, I really want Jesus to kick the butt of all the evil people, but that's probably not the right prayer, but it's something, something like that. So let us take a deep breath. Think of all of the ways God has shown up for you this week, and let us worship God.
Hello, for all you young at heart, please come up for a little worship. I'm, I'm gonna honor as you come up uh, my grandmother for Women History Month and just a little bit about her. She was fierce with the machete. She was, she was born a long time ago and in a plantation and uh, but what I love most of all was what she, you know, all these little things she did that to show love. Like uh, towards the end of her life, she was she was living with us, and uh, she would bake all these incredible gifts and treats, and she would hide them and would wink and would have them in her hands. And would, as we go by, she would drop these little lollipops or something that she's cookies or something. And uh, so I have these little treats for. As, as a reminder of her uh, to show that there's a little bit of love in all of us and, and, and that meant something to me, you know? So I want all you little ones to know that I love them and you mean something to me and just pass it on. Thank you, Linda. All right, friends, can you join us in singing Sia Humba?
It's been said that prayer is original speech, and if that's true, then I would say song is original prayer. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to invite you to continue to pray. We have a very special Lord's Prayer printed in your bulletin, and it will be on the screen. It is on the screen. If you're able to stand, please do stand with me. And let us continue to pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. We're always saying here, pray the prayer the way you learned it, the way you know it. But I want to invite you to experiment with me today. If you feel like you can comfortably pray these words that open up an image of God. Okay? Take a deep breath. And pray with me. Our mother, who is in heaven and within us. We call upon your names. Your wisdom come, your will be done, in all the spaces in which you dwell. Give us each day sustenance and perseverance. Remind us of our limits as we give grace to the limits of others. Separate us from the temptation of empire and deliver us into divinity. For you are the dwelling This indwelling, loving power.
powerful, justice-making God demands from us very little, but that we love one another and love God with all we have. And that love is the source of peace. So today I invite you to give a sign, a greeting of peace to your neighbor. Y'all know I'm a hugger, but everybody's not. So remembering all the ways we can bow to the divinity in each other with namaste, give a fist bump, give a arm hug, yeah, do the, all the things. Do a, little, do a little dance, share a little love, okay? Peace be with you, middle family.
like water. Let it flow. You're a seed that has been sown. And even if you feel buried in the middle of the desert, waiting on the water. Or like our ancestors, waiting in the water. Know that you were not buried to die, but rather to testify. The troubled water is what made Jonah who Jonah was. The troubled water made Joseph who Joseph was. So imagine Joseph with no whale. Imagine Jonah with no whale. Even if you don't study the prophets, know well that the true believer takes no L. No L! ready for God to trouble these waters today. I'm ready for it. Our teaching today is from Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. I'll read it out, but if you want to follow on your phones or devices, please do. And we're reading the NRSV, Miss Jackie. <laughs> Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it, placed it among the reeds in the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? 
Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Will you pray with me? Holy Creator God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. I want to start off this morning by sharing a proverb with you, one that I learned from my background, one my, um, my youth pastor told me when I was growing up in Hong Kong. It's a Chinese proverb, and the proverb is, one chopstick is easily broken, while a bundle of chopsticks are not. There's also a Filipino saying that means something similar, and it's, a broom is sturdy, because its strands are tightly bound. Now, I like to make a habit of coming back to these proverbs and sayings from my roots and from my people of origin. I do it because in my own journey in life, I've been exposed to lots of different proverbs and sayings, and some of them don't serve me. <laughs> One such saying that I'm sure you're all familiar with is, every man for himself. Who knows that one? Everyone, right? It's a saying I don't love because I, I believe it puts us in competition with one another. It's only concerned with the individual, the self. It's a saying that values individual achievement and individual survival above all else. I bring this up because I, I don't think this every man for himself way of living is working for us. Moving through life in this way where we are in competition with one another, it isn't working. And I'm learning in my own journey through life, I'm learning more and more that the way to get through this wilderness journey is by walking through it together. The womanist way. What's the womanist name, Mira? What does that mean? It's coming. The womanist way. <laughs> Let me tell you, the woman's way is not about individual survival. It is concerned about the collective. Alice Walker, who coined the term womanist, defines womanist as, in her words, a woman who loves other women, sexually and or non-sexually. She says this too. A womanist is committed to survival and wholeness of entire people, male and female, which is what we see take place in this story of Moses' birth. In fact, womanism is at work even before this chapter. We started in chapter two this morning. Even before this chapter, chapter one, we see womanism taking place when Hebrew midwives work together to conspire against Pharaoh's decree to kill 
all the baby boys. That's the condition in which Moses was born in. They weren't concerned about any repercussions that might come from going against the Pharaoh. They weren't, they, they weren't worried for their own individual safety or survival. For them, their concern and their commitment was for the survival of their people, of their entire community. And then we get to chapter two, today's reading. We see womanism at work in Moses' family, where each individual of that family member, of that family, risked their lives every moment, moment, every moment Moses was alive. They risked their lives every time he cried under their roof because they risked being caught. Their entire family worked together to keep his existence a secret, knowing anything could happen if Pharaoh were to find out. This is another example of womanism. Then when it comes to the day when they couldn't keep him a secret any longer, Moses' mother released Moses into the world. I'm a mother. I have three kids. I have no idea how she did this. But somehow, she must have trusted that the womanist way would emerge. And somehow, Moses would live. And that's when we see Pharaoh's daughter come into the scene, who's enjoying a nice, lovely bath with her attendants. And she sees this basket bopping down the river. And she asks her attendant to go and get it. And the passage tells us she hears Moses crying, and she took pity on him. Now let's pause for a second. If Pharaoh's daughter valued an every man for himself philosophy, she would have been satisfied having her, all her needs met. She's bathing, she's good, she's got attendance, she's well fed, probably wearing the best threads there is out there in the ancient Egyptian days. So she's not concerned with what's going on in the basket or the cries that are coming out of it. For her, as being part of the dominant group, as being a member of the upper and ruling class, she has nothing to gain from helping this baby who wasn't hers. And yet, she becomes moved by Moses' cries, by this deep wailing, the kind of weeping you do when you're desperate, the kind that you do when you're lifting your voice and crying out desperately to be saved, when you are calling out for survival. That's what babies do. Who's heard a baby screeching in the middle of the night on an airplane at a restaurant? That's what babies do. That's what they do when they're crying out to be held or when they're crying out because they're hungry. They do it because they're signaling to you that they need something to survive. Pharaoh's daughter doesn't respond how some of us might do, you know, hair standing up on end and going, I wish someone to sh sh shut that baby up. Let's be real, some of us react that way. She doesn't. She responds with compassion seeing the injustice brought on by the, on the Hebrew people by her own father. And hearing his cries awakens a womanist desire in her to commit to his survival in that moment.
even though he wasn't her own people. And this concern for others who experience marginalization, class-based and race-based marginalization, that is womanism at work. And then another moment of womanism emerges, my favorite, my personal favorite. And this is when we see Moses' sister step in to work out a partnership with Pharaoh's daughter. Can we just pause for one moment? I keep saying Moses' sister, Pharaoh's daughter. Why isn't any of these amazing women named in this particular chapter? Another sermon for another day. In true womanist fashion, his daughter, his sister, you see, that's why, his sister collaborates with Pharaoh's daughter, and they work out together a plan in which Moses could be raised by his mother, but this time not in secret, but out in the open, without the threat of getting caught, and with the added bonus of her financial support. This work of collaboration where we see two women from different cultures, from different ethnicities, from different social classes come together to work out a solution is another example of the womanist way. And even the solution itself is womanist. You see, Pharaoh's daughter could have taken Moses back home to raise him as an Egyptian, could have fed him, clothed him in those fine threads that she has, but she recognized how important it was for Moses to be raised by his own people. She recognized that to be committed to Moses' thriving as a whole human, she couldn't separate him from his roots. Part of his flourishing as a whole person meant that he needed to be raised in his community, listening to the stories of his people, listening and hearing their language. And she knew this was essential to his entire being thriving. And honestly, this was likely why he grew up to stand up against the exploitation of his people, acting in womanist ways himself, because he was protected in his position of power. But he acted in ways that went on to liberate his entire community. So in this chapter, in this story, we see this through line of womanist actions. God manifesting, God animating through womanist actions, starting from, the, from Exodus chapter 1, the womanist actions of the midwives, and then Moses' mother and sister working it out, working out womanist solutions with Pharaoh's daughter. And what happens next? What happens after this? as a result of their commitment to work together for their collective, an entire community survives. Not one person, not one man for himself, an entire people. They go on to work out how to be a new nation. These are the ancient Hebrews that go on to form the nation of Israel. They go on to work out how to live together differently, not in individual competition with one another, but working out how to thrive as a collective. And it doesn't even stop there. God animated, 
in the spirit of togetherness, oriented these women to act in ways that go on to inspire a Jewish man who would inspire 12 of his friends to work together to resist another empire that was oppressing them. Together, they worked together to feed thousands, to break rules, to heal and touch people across cultural divides. Together, they inspired many others to listen to the cries of the oppressed and respond with compassion. So you see, the, mo the womanist way of walking the wilderness is God's way of moving through human history to bring about collective liberation. And because of that, we too today are called to continue this womanist commitment to one another's wholeness, not just our own. We must move away from this inclination to act in every man for himself ways. It isn't enough for one of us to be okay. It isn't even enough for one group of us to be okay, to rise up and excel above the rest. We are called to walk the womanist way, being concerned with the survival and wholeness of entire people, not just one group, not, not one group pitting the needs of one marginalized group against another, but instead working a solution out together Rabbi Jesus, the Son of God, modeled this for us by calling us to be in dialogue with one another, to work out a solution for our survival as a collective and our wholeness and liberation as a collective. Caitlin Curtis, a citizen of the, I really hope I don't botch this because I practice it so many times, a citizen of the Potawatomi Nation, and speaker at this year's Freedom Rising Conference. She talks about this too. She says, I learned from the black women in my life that black and indigenous women must work together, must partner together, must actively join with other women of color to lead the way forward in America. Can you imagine what we could do if we worked together? If we all worked together, black, indigenous, Asian, Latine, white, queer, hetero, everyone in their neuro and body diversity, can you imagine what we could accomplish if we worked together to dialogue and co-conspire a way out of these oppressive systems? Can you imagine what would happen if we walked together in this wilderness journey? Imagine what we could birth on the other side of this. Can you imagine what would happen if we learned from women like the legendary Ruby Sales, Caitlin Curtis, Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas, and Latosha Brown, who are all thinking about this womanist way of working out the survival of the collective. Can you imagine what kind of liberation work would be lifted up? What we could do? Together, when our strands become tightly bound because of concern for one another, not just ourselves, 
we become stronger. Being together is how we can embody a collective resistance to the forces that are trying to wipe us out. Together is how we can take risks and not be broken by our oppressors. Together, we are going to remember that our bodies are not to be exploited, that we are God's beloved. And together is how we are going to be liberated. And right now, I'll tell you real quick, if you're not sure how to do this together, this together work, this womanist way of walking, there are three things you can do today. You can go to our Freedom Rising conference, sign up today, so that you can be in embodied presence with many others who are wanting to do this womanist work. You can, get in, you can listen to Reverend Amanda, who is doing a Lenten Bible study on Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, who has done this, this womanist way of walking through the wilderness. And you can do this online. You can, thirdly, you can join in this together movement, this womanist way of being by serving here in our community in both our outward-facing ministries and our inward-facing ones. Who's here from Butterfly Outreach Ministry? We have a few folks here. Butterfly Outreach has recently partnered with Judson Memorial to serve on Mondays, to serve at their day respite site for SILEs. And you can be a part of that. And if going out there in the world is hard and you want to try one thing, try one small step, come and be involved in making this happen each Sunday by being an usher. And now's a good time to start because they have their training next Sunday. And I'm sure there are many, many, many more ways to take part in this. My hope is that, like the ancient Hebrews, together, we too can become brave. We can usher in a new kingdom, a new sense of kinship with one another in the womanist way. Are you with me? Yes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Reverend Mira. Uh, I'm Christopher Polovic Waggy. Uh, pronouns are he, him. And I'm Anna Polovic Waggy. My pronouns are she, her. And we've been coming to Middle for about four years now. Um, <laughs> uh, so when I was in college, I was told that if I wanted to be a Bible study leader, that I should pray about and rethink my support of LGBT people. You know, at the time, they didn't even know that I am bisexual, and I think. You know, I didn't even realize how much things like that had deeply hurt me. I think I kind of brushed them off until I came to middle. And like week after week, I found myself so overwhelmed with emotion. And I think it's because it was healing, you know? It was healing to be here. And you know, there's just this sense of relief in not having to justify all the time because here it's not, you know, it's not just acceptance. It's truth that queerness is holy, that women, that women and non-binary people belong in leadership in the pulpit, that, 
you know, speaking out against white supremacy, xenophobia, mass incarceration. That's our calling. And at Middle, we know that. Um, sorry, I get a little nervous. But um, before Middle, I just didn't think a place like this existed. And it's been so important to me. And we don't just say those things. I think Reverend Merritt, you know, clearly showed you at the end there. You know, we take action. And that's what's really important is the follow throughs. So, um, personally, I'm part of the Reparations Task Force at Middle, which is a group I love and hold dearly. Um, I've learned so much being a part of that, and I think in a time when we're dealing with so much legislation that kind of says we're not going to tell the truth and we're not going to talk about history, at Middle we're taking very seriously that, you know, Middle Collegiate Church has roots in history in the Dutch Reformed Church, and they we're awful, we're horrible, and we're, yeah, and like, it's, 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 it's deeply entrenched. I mean, doing some of this research with this group has been so enlightening, it's changed the way I see the whole city. I mean, there's these people who, you know, were middle members who were enslavers and whose work still sits in the Met Museum, you know? Like, the, the intergenerational wealth and white supremacy is so deeply entrenched, and we're ready at middle to take responsibility and do the work and not shy away from it, but say that we're gonna make things better. So Middle, as you can tell, is a great community. It's a movement. And so if you're ready to you know, put aside every man for himself and uh, actually you know, uh, join the movement, you can go to Middle church.org uh, slash join. Uh, you can join the movement, get plugged in. There's, um, like Reverend Mira said, there's butterfly meal programs. There's the Lenten Bible study, ukulele acts, creative writing. Um, there's so many things that you can, you can get plugged in here. Um, so definitely check those out. Um, so again, that's uh, middlechurch.org slash join because you don't only need to, you can uh, bring your gifts of service and your, um, you don't have to only you know, donate monetarily. But if you'd like to donate monetarily, there's a QR code on the screen, there's a QR code up here, there's a QR code on the bulletin, so uh, plenty of places to do that. You can donate via Venmo, um, or you can go to uh, middlechurch.org slash donate. Uh, you can do a recurring donation, which is what we do. Um, and uh, there's um, the three-year pledge. It's not too late to do that. We did it after the deadline, uh, but it's, it's okay. We, you know, we pledged, um, and uh, so that's at middlechurch.org slash rising. Um, and that really helps, helps Middle to know, you know what kind of uh, monetary donations will be coming in the next three years so that we can move forward with uh, rebuilding and programming and everything great that we do. So thank you guys. You're, you're all you know, welcome here, and uh, you know, join the movement.
chain, I'm wearing it round my neck, I'm, I'm taking my freedom, I'm putting it in my car, wherever I choose to go, it will take me far, song, singing loud and strong, grooving all day long, I'm taking my freedom, putting it in my stroll, I'll be high-stepping y'all, letting the joy Dear God, please accept these gifts as a token of our gratitude and thank you for all you do and continue to do in our lives. May these gifts be used as a witness of your love. Amen.
You ready, buddy? Helena's gonna lead us in the verses, so we're gonna listen and we're gonna join in in the chorus. You know what? Go out and go singing. Amen. Go find each other and sing through this wilderness journey. Yes. Amen. Go and be the spirit, the anim God's animated spirit of womanist way of being. Go, go be that way in this world this week. 
and know that you are beloved always and nothing will ever change that. Nothing anyone says. Amen. Amen.